week we celebrated Veterans uh, Day. Um, I wanted to torture my brother this week. He had a birthday on Veterans Day, and uh, myself being a veteran, my younger brother being a veteran, he's kind of sandwiched in the middle, and he's not a veteran. And so I, I basically called him up on his birthday, not saying happy birthday, and said, did you take the time to honor me and your brother? <laughs> well, it's my birthday, uh-huh, and on your birthday, you're supposed to honor us. That's how this works, right? It's probably not how it works. Probably not, that's not a good brother thing to do. Don't do that. Don't follow in my footsteps. We have a pecking order in, in, in uh, the Corsi Brotherhood, and uh, I got I to gotta keep a tight, tight, you know, hold on those guys. You know, my, my middle brother, my younger brother is like six foot something. He's way taller than me. You, you've met him. Many of you have met him. He's way, he's way bigger, so he likes to think he's all tough sometimes. Sometimes you just got to put him in your place. You know, that's just how it is. So enjoy giving him a hard time this week. It's been an interesting week. Uh, I, I kind of, uh, you know, I, I know it seems like, well, we're kind of after Veterans Day to be celebra- celebrating Veterans Day, but uh, our, our Wednesday is our fellowship, and it's kind of a sacred moment uh, because it's one of the rare times where it's like it's not so formal. Uh, it's not a formal type church. It's not a place where we come up, we're, we're addressing from the pulpit, we're anything like that. It's very informal. It's really a, a lot more about connection and relationship is what Wednesday uh, is for. And then on Sundays, we have this time where it is very formal. It is very uh, traditional in the sense. And I, I don't think traditional is a bad thing. Uh, so uh, even though I know we're in a restaurant, which is non-traditional, uh, and the way maybe we do some things is non-traditional, I'm, I'm actually, I, I like traditional church. Uh, so there are some things that, I, that hey, I think it's good. And, and uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be different for the sake of doing something different. I want to do different when different works. Amen. Or when something doesn't work uh, very well, we try something different. We don't keep doing it because that's the way we've always done it. Amen? I think that's kind of the big deal about uh, uh, the churches struggling to do something different is because uh, churches have a bad tendency to ride a horse till it's dead, and they're still whipping the tail of that horse, and it's like, man, it's dead. It's not going anywhere. Oh, it's going to rise up. Resurrection power in Jesus' name, it's going to rise up. And they're praying for things. Sometimes it ain't never going to rise up. All right, it's appointed, it's appointed once for a man to die. Some things, you know, I think programs can be said the same way. It's appointed once for a program to die, and maybe it's okay if it's dead. So maybe that's a whole other uh, leadership lesson right there in and of itself. Uh, but uh, I, I really do believe so. Uh, I, I think it's fitting to celebrate a, a little bit, talk about veterans uh, a, a little bit today, uh, because we're moving into Hebrews chapter 11. And in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it is the, the big heroes. Type chapter. They, I've heard it called the Hall of Faith. Uh, I've heard it called a lot of different names, but one of the things I would definitely call it, I would definitely call it uh, the Hall of Heroes or the Hero Chapter because uh, what we are going to witness and see, and, I, and I'm try to read through most of it here. I, I don't think we need to, well, we probably end up reading most of it uh, and, and then we'll kind of push in, but it's, it, you're going to see as we begin to read, if you haven't read Hebrews 11 before, it is one hero of the faith after another, and uh, we'll get into what makes that and what a hero kind of looks like in the realm of the Bible. So let's begin at Hebrews 11. We'll just start in chapter 1, and I'm just going to read for a little bit, and if I, if I get to where I stop, I'll just stop uh, because uh, we can kind of just dive in too. <coughs> Faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. We, or by faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed by, at God's command, uh, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It was by faith that Abel 
brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. Abel's offering gave evidence that he was a righteous man, and God showed his approval of his gifts. Although Abel is long dead, he still speaks to us by his example of faith. Let's just stop right there, because I think as I press in, I can kind of hit individually before we sit here and read 30 scriptures. All right, nothing wrong with reading 30 scriptures. It just might not be the morning where we'd sit there and need to hit every single one because I don't need to hit every single one because after a while it's going to sound redundant. One of the things you're going to hear is one person after another brought up how, how by faith they did this and by faith they did that. So let's kind of just push in. Hebrews 11 provides us one of the most honest and transparent views of our walk with God. I, I, I honestly don't know how anybody ever taught, a, anybody who taught a prosperity gospel at one time or another obviously never read Hebrews 11. Or they only read the first half, and they never got to the back end of it. They just started reading like the first six, seven, eight verses and went, yeah, this thing speaks good, and just kind of moved on. You know, they got the cliff notes on it or something. But uh, it is very transparent, very honest. Uh, sometimes it looks heroic, and other times it looks foolish. But either way, it is described as the way of faith. And those who travel this way are the faithful ones like we learned about last week. Having faith is not an afterthought, by the way, in Christianity it's a requirement for traveling with God. There is nowhere you can go with God that will not require faith. God does not give you the, the complete picture of where you're heading. Or even if he does, he will not tell you the entire steps of how to get there. Because one thing is mandated in the Christian walk, and that is faith. Faith. It's a requirement. Because in the end, that's exactly what we're doing here. We're traveling from one adventure to another, from one land to another, until the day he brings us home. This is what brings us to this chapter, the desire to understand that journey of faith. Hebrews 11.1, 1, we just read it. Faith is the confidence of what we hope for will actually happen. What we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things that we cannot see. You can't see it. You can't believe it. Not, not only do you believe it, but you can exuberate uh, uh, such confidence in its existence that others will follow you. That's a lot of what we're going to see. If you begin to read through uh, 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 the, the chapter 11 right here, you're going to see people who led people to a place they had never seen, had just believed it by faith, and because they believed it was such confidence, and it kind of poured over, uh, people followed them. People will go where they're going because they exuberate such great faith. And this is why some people uh, uh, become inspirational. Moses was an inspiration, right? Abraham's inspirational. These guys become inspirational. Why? Because they exuberate such faith. How can they know where they're going? They don't know. But they act so confident. I know, that's faith. And their great faith is contagious. And people wanted to follow them wherever they were going because their faith, it's not that they saw where they were going, but they believed it was so strongly, with such great conviction, that it made people sure around them. It increased the faith of those around. This is what we're studying today. This is why we're here. This is why some of the people we read about here are really heroes of the Bible, having believed through faith, many of them in things they never saw. To paraphrase verse 4, although these people are dead, they still speak to us by their example of faith. How about that for an inheritance? How about the thing that you can leave? If you will walk in faith on this earth, the one thing that you can leave your kid as an inspiration is how you walked by faith. How do you like to leave that in a will? Well, it doesn't even have a tangible value. I don't know about that. 
Because there are a lot of people that have taken up on the mantle of others. There are a lot of people that sit in other people's shoes or in other people's shadows, as we would say, and they walk in the mantle of other men, right? They haven't seen the very thing that the former person has seen. They're just walking by faith and believing it. The other person was such an inspiration. You know, there are people even today, people that I look to. Uh, for instance, uh, Leonard Ravenhill is one of my most favorite authors. I love to read anything he does. Somebody asked me what my favorite book was the other day at Faith Academy, one of the kids, and I said, probably Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. And I said, really, it's not a great book in all that sense. It's a call out to pastors on how you should live every day, on, on, on how much you should be praying and, and, and all these things. And, th- and like, I don't even know if I'll ever accomplish anything that's in that book. I mean, at one point it said, if you're not praying three hours a day as a pastor, you're not worth your paycheck. And I'm, I'm going to say like, that hurt me, stings me hard because I try, but I can't fathom yet the, 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 the time that it will take to get up in the mornings and pray for three hours and how hard or how difficult that would be. But you know what? I read it. Why? Because he inspires me. Can I tell you he's passed away? But his words still hit me as if he's alive and saying it to my face. Now, what did he see? Well, it doesn't matter what he said. He walked by faith. He's trying to tell me how to get somewhere he's never been either. Why would I believe it's attainable if he never see it? Because I could see one thing's for sure, that he walked by faith. He absolutely believes without question what he's talking about. And he can provide the scripture and everything else to back it up. So this, 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 this tears at me. This is, this is something we leave to the next generation. How we walk by faith, it becomes an inspiration to those we leave behind. And this is what we see through all these. They become the example. This, this points out to us that faith transcends time. This, faith, this means faith is something we can impart or pass down from one generation to another. And while you uh, might think uh, or believe that you didn't mean much in your time, the works that you've done here have an eternal value and eventually will press past your own generation and into the lives of the next generation. So how you perceive faith and how you walk in faith absolutely will carry from one generation to the next. The question is, how are you walking in faith? How does that measure up? Have you looked in the Bible? Have you, have you looked towards some of these men? Like one of the things that I've often found myself doing a lot as I spend Bible study with kids and teenagers and even adults is find myself like, don't you relate to anybody in the Bible? At some point, don't you look at somebody and compare yourself a little, if anything, to say, am I walking in faith like they are? I mean, at some point, do, don't, we see, don't we put ourselves in their position? When you read the Bible, do you put yourself in some of those positions? Or is it really just a history story for which you're trying to attain stuff from? At some point, don't you see yourself through the eyes of the person you're reading about? It's important. Why? Because you want to understand what makes them tick. Why do they walk in such faith that becomes an inspiration to so many? David was a man after God's own heart. We say that all the time. The funny thing, you know, that wasn't said in Samuel. We are not going to find that phrase anywhere in the books of Samuel. So, what, so who said that then? Is that even God's word? Absolutely it is. And let me tell you who ends up saying it. Years and years, 2,000 years later, Paul would utter those words in the book of Acts and call David a man after God's own heart. Paul would utter those words and he would call him that. And that's how we would know David was a man after God's own heart. It's all right. <laughs> Some people scare easily. It's okay. We were all there one time. Amen? Amen. I've shouted down a few street corner preachers in my wicked days. It's okay. But it was Paul who says this. 
Now, how would Paul come to this conclusion? By being inspired by the man's faith. By watching David walk and feeling as if he understood what David was going through. By trying to somehow relate himself in that process. Why else bring up all these names? Because their faith and their walk with God inspires us. It transcends time. Your faith with God transcends your own generation into the next and the falling and the fall. 2,000 years later, Paul is still talking about David and teaching others about what happened with David. How, maybe we should look to David because David was a man after God's own heart, and that's how he's trying to appeal to the Jews. We read the exploits of other people to gain inspiration, to give us a reference to what faith looks like. And yet all these things have long since passed on. Matter of fact, Hebrews 11 verse 13 says this, All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised, but they saw it from a distance and welcomed it. They agreed that they were foreigners and nomads here on earth. Though they never arrived at where they were hoping to in this world, they still pressed on towards the pursuit of it. This is faith in action. They haven't seen it. They're trying to drive towards it and trying to get everybody to believe that it's there. Trying to get there. And they believe it wholeheartedly. They're willing to die for it. They'll give their life for it. They'll risk everything for it. But they'll, they, these people never saw. Moses never entered into the promised land. All that traveling, all that work, and he never saw what God had promised they provide example. And listen, I, one of the things that became very hard for me uh, this morning, if I've been distant this morning, I feel the weight of this because uh, one of the things that I found very truthful about all of this is, church, we speak a lot about returning, but I've never been to where I'm going. You know, many of you have heard the whole uh, story of the shields, and I won't get in too much of the shields about God's calling me to get the gold shields back and things like that. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, you can come see me later and ask me about it. But God obviously has a place he wants me to head. I feel called to it more than anything else. I know that I know that God has called me to bring a people and return them back to him, to return everyone back to God, back to the simplicity of the gospel, back to prayer, back to reading God's word, back to giving a solid foundation first and making strong disciples. Returning people back to God is what God's called me to do. But I have never seen the church do it. I have never been to where I'm heading. Or where I desire what God's placed in my heart to go. I've never seen that land. I've never seen a church exploding in revival. Everybody becoming strong disciples. The city being astronomically changed. I've never seen any of it. So imagine the weight it is to be a pastor going, Will you believe in me and go to a place I've never gone? You ask me what it looks like and I can't tell you. I can look in the Bible and say, Based off what we see... Because they've experienced it here, this is where we're heading. Will you trust me? Will you believe me and will you follow me? And here's the thing is, you have to know, just like we look at Moses, uh, just like we look at Abraham, you've got to know that I am so committed that it is all or nothing, or otherwise you would not, you, you, people will not follow. It has to be all, I have to give my life for this. I have to head there and get there and give my life for this. Or people will not go. Because Why? Because they won't believe that you actually believe it yourself. Total commitment. Total commitment. 
I'm two generations away from seeing anything close to revival or any kind of great spiritual awakening. I get to hear about it from like two generations previous to me. They talk about the old days when God was this and God was that and all these things, but I've never seen it. I've never seen it. I, I hear it, and I've heard it, but I've never seen it. And I, but I can tell you this, the spiritual hunger for it never stops, and I'm drawn towards it. I'm drawn. I feel like I'm on a hook and string, right? I, I, I'm drawn towards heading there. I, I, I look for a place uh, where hope and faith exist and where it's a good work. I long, uh, like these people did, for a place they never saw. I long, like David said, for green pastures, for a righteous land where the war of the flesh is completely resolved and all is peace. Anybody long for that with me? You tired yet? I mean, one of the, the hardest things, I'm going to try not to cry today, but the hardest things about this life is, I, you know, people... Uh, so much and so, you know, the things about being somebody who struggles with depression, who struggles with some of these things, and I've been honest about some of those, is knowing that, that when people come to me and says, man, and I, it's just excuse my language here, but they'll say, man, this world sucks. And I'll say, amen. Amen. What can I say to that? I mean, really, the war of the flesh, every one of you struggle. We come to church and we lie about it. That proves our struggle. Right? Every, every one of us struggle, whether it's bills creeping up on us and our lack of faith ever before our face to believe that God will do what he said he will do. Right? Or if it's somebody coming against us and bringing out evil in us. Right? As soon as Paris happens, we're ready to like kill people and bring blood and murder right back to the people who bestowed it upon us. And you think any of that is Christ? By the way, if it was godly, Jesus would have came off the cross and brought the 10,000 angels. He promised the legion, and he would have uh, had revenge if that was godly. It's not godly to think those thoughts. It's not godly uh, 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 to, to struggle in anxiety, right, over what's going to happen or not going to happen. Why? Because that's a lack of faith in God and who he says he is, right? And the one thing this world does very well is remind us how unholy and unrighteous we are. Does this world suck? Absolutely. Sorry for that point blankness. So why do we keep striving? Why do we keep pressing? We have faith in the one who has called us. That there is something greater out there. There is something better that we've yet to experience, that we've yet to know. Why? Because we see the evidence and proof of Christ. You know, my wife was speaking to me a while back and she began to speak life into me and I said, you know, thank you for being Jesus to me. You're the Jesus I got to see today. And I'm reminded that there is some good here. That there are some things worth fighting for and dying for here. Right? God has called us to do great works here to bring in those who are, what did he call them in Hebrews 11? Foreigners and nomads. There are other people out there astray. They've left the fold and, and God is calling them back in. And we've got to be the family that's going to help them and protect them along the way. Why? Because we know that we are in a foreign land. We are not supposed to be here. This isn't our home.
So we push on, we persevere, we get stronger, we come together, we have church, and we huddle together as foreigners and nomads, and we, we have found out like sheep, right, that, that our strength is in our eyes together, that we can watch each other's back, we can take care of one another. What one person's eyes don't see, the other one's eyes do see, and we come together as one church, and we keep pressing and pushing and striving and going and, and, and looking for new things and new places, right, where we can touch people with the, with the face of God and with the hands and feet of God. We become like those who persevered, right? Like Abel, like Enoch, like Noah, like Abraham, like Sarah, like Isaac, like Jacob, like Joseph, like Moses, and like Rahab. Foreigners that pressed into other lands. And when we come into other lands, like us in Marble Falls, we become the blessing of Marble Falls. Because why? Our faith produces hope. And as we enter into a city, what do we bring that city as a gift? Hope. That there is something better awaiting us. Remember uh, Hebrews 11.32, he says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. The Bible is so rich with people of faith that we'd be here all day talking about them. We'd be here all day. And many of you know all their stories, but what about those whose stories were never told? Right? I mean, that's the flip of the coin there. You remember Matt Chandler in his testimony uh, uh, last week where he talked about, you know, we, we read all about the, the great hall of faith and then we get to that other side where the coin flips and what if it doesn't go right? What if things don't go great? Are you still going to praise God when things are tough, when, when you never arrive? You know, like what if you're the Moses and not the Joshua and everything you fought for and everything you tried to reach, what if I never do? Will I be content if my kids do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love Chandler. Chandler said, man, I, I, I'm thankful that God found me worthy to suffer. As if to say that I'm, 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 I'm at a place in my life where I can appreciate God so much that I can worship Him and glorify Him and become an example for you before you. He, he knew he could trust. This sounds crazy. He could trust Matt Chandler with suffering and suffering well before the church. Right? In verse 34, it turns all around. What about those who didn't fare well? They were tortured, jeered at, whipped, chained, and imprisoned. It goes on to say, stone, sawed in half. They got created and killed with the sword. And then, and then there's this, as if it's like, like finally, as if it's the final blow, because sometimes I think this could be worse. And then some were just isolated. Some of us would rather be killed than be left alone. Some of us were just, I said, left for dead. It says wandering and hiding. Never having friends. Never having family. Having to live away in isolation. Scared. And they did it. <laughs> and they did it. Like verse 13 said, they were foreigners and nomads here on the earth. They were exiles by all means, all of them strangers in a foreign land, looking for a country and a place they would never see with their physical eyes. I don't know about you, but can you feel that? Can you feel the lostness of all that in your heart? I mean, they're just wondering, well, where are you going? I don't know. We're not from here. Where are you headed? I've never been there. I don't know. Well, that doesn't make any sense. I know we're walking by faith. God said that there's a place out there for us, and we're walking by faith till we get it, till we see it. What else can we do? And then some of us, they would call that stupid, right? Like, what are you doing? That's not smart. 
such this, um, the strangeness to this world is always in, in this vast comparison to our closeness to God. The closer we are to God, the stranger this world becomes. You ever notice that? I mean, the closer we draw to God, the stranger this world, it doesn't make sense to us anymore. And the, and the irony of that is most of us come from the world. And so we understand the world's point of view. I mean, I, I came from drugs and alcohol and things like that in my past. Many of you know that. And so, like, somebody asked me at, at Faith, it says, literally said this to me, because there's a few t- tough kids, and I tend to do well with the tough kids. And one of the other good kids says, why do you always like the bad kids? They literally said that to me. I was like, because I relate to that. I totally understand them. I don't understand you. I understand the world point of view more than I do the church point of view. That's where I relate. That's why I do really well with people who struggle. I do really well with people who struggle with alcohol and drugs because I get it. I know why you do it. I know. I understand that. It's hard for me to understand not. Like, how are you not doing it? Do you not see this world? It's horrible. I would totally want to, if I could just make a getaway and I could drink that away, that, that's, what, that's what I want to do. Now, here's what I've learned along the way, obviously, is that Christ is my getaway. That my time in prayer girds me up and it gives, God has given me something to replace that whole, you know, I was looking for peace and joy in a lot of things, but God is where I found my peace and joy. You feel like strangers after a while. I mean, the longer I go, the more I feel like a stranger on earth. Like, I'm not from here. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be with Jesus. That's where my home is at. And the more and more I become like Christ, the more I know that you can really start to make sense when Jesus talks to the Father a lot. I'm in him and he is in me. I mean, he starts talking like they're there all the time. You know, this, this idea that I'm pretty much separate from all you and I'm with the Father. I'm in the Father the whole time. And so I'm so much separate from you. Yeah. Because that is how it is. That's how we get. We get with Jesus. We become in him and him and us. So much so that all of a sudden the world seems so separate from us. Now, if we're not careful, we're going to get an us and them mentality. And Jesus never had that. And we have to be careful there. But this world is going to feel far away. 1 Peter 1.17 says, And remember that the Heavenly Father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him during your time, listen, as temporary residents. Wait a minute, Peter, I thought you're from Jerusalem. No, no, man, I'm, I'm a temporary resident of planet Earth. That's what I am. Your temporary residence with a longing for a home in your heart that you've never seen. And you'll never be satisfied here. You will look over uh, for things to fill that void to what you're looking for. Many will settle for the comfort that this life can afford, but there's only one person that can fill that void and only one place where you will finally find the comfort of being in your own skin, and it's in the man Jesus Christ and the city that he's building for you in heaven. That's the only place that's going to happen. Hebrews eleven sixteen says, But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. This is where he's trying to get at. These guys were trying to head towards a place they'd never been. And they believed by faith that one day they'd see it. And they'd either see it on earth or they'd see it in heaven. But either way, they were headed there. Failure or success, this is where we're headed. I I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Whether we're whether we burn in the fire or whether we don't, nothing is going to change our faith. That's the way it is. John 14, 1 through 4, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. 
there is more than enough room in my father's home. If it were not so, I would have told you. I, I, it, I, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you will know the way to where I am going. There is a place we are traveling to. It is real. We cannot see it on this side of life, but we, arrive, we will arrive there one day full of joy and with the peace of God upon our hearts. You can believe it. You can believe it. As I studied this subject, I was reminded of a song that, that I'm going to be honest, the older I get, the more it makes sense. And, and uh, let, me, let, me, let me just tell you this one. I don't want to go into all the whole verse of the song, and I'm kind of getting ready to close here, but uh, I, I remember hearing it on the ragamuffin. And I think almost every time I hear it, I cry. And it's an older song, but it starts out, this world is not my home. And I tell you, when I hear that first line, it is so surreal. Because I know this is not my home. This place is not my home. I'm just, it says, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. You ever feel like that? I don't mean to be heavy today, but this is something that just is on me all the time. To, to, to pray and, and God say, this is where I want you to head. I don't, I've never seen what it looks like, God. And the longer I'm here and the more I study, the less I feel connected to this world. I love it because the more I draw to Christ, I see it as the work of his hands. The work, just like I'm the work of his hands, I see it as his work of which he's proud of. He is proud of what he's created. But I also know I feel like a misfit. The closer I draw to God, the more like a misfit or a vagabond or a nomad or a foreigner or a stranger or peculiar or different I feel. So it's like on one side I feel this joy and peace, but I'm tugged by this oddness of me being on planet Earth. I can't feel at home in this world anymore. As a soldier and, and as someone who's uh, experienced as amazing grace to say dangers, toils, and snares, I, I think it's C.S. Lewis that really captures this in a children's novel, The Chronicle of Narnia. By the way, if your kids haven't read any of this, you should have your kids reading this. You should read this. It's really good. I've got a clip that we're going to show real quick of the, the, the scene I'm talking about. And then we'll do it.
The, uh, let me explain the scene a little bit, but uh, the, the little mouse is probably like the toughest guy. His name is Reepicheep, and he's like so tough in the movie. And um, yeah, He's in two different books, and, and when they describe him, he's like the, one of the best warriors that they have. And it's always, they give him such a hard time for his size, obviously. And, uh, but he's like one of the toughest guys, and he fights with such integrity and such honor and, and uh, always wants to fight for what's right and on the side of God kind of thing. And, and so here's this scene where, you know, <clears throat> they're approaching. The, in, in this scene, it was really the edge of heaven. And they've met Aslan. Aslan just means, uh, it just means a, a lion is really what it means. And, and if I'd have let the thing play out a little, it'd tell you that when they says, well, we see you in our world, he says, well, you'll know me in, in, in your world by another name. And uh, it's emotional me because here's this, this uh, it's funny to get weird about a kid's movie, but here's, here's this thing that, that's just this warrior. And he says, uh, I'm willing to put my sword down and we'll lay all the adventures down if you'll just give me just let me see there's one thing that I've desired in my heart throughout this entire fight I don't know if you think life has been a battle but to to me it's a battle (laughs) and so here he is as he approaches him he has his opportunity his chance and he approaches the king right and listen to his words again he says your eminence ever since I can remember I dreamt of seeing your country I've had many great adventures in this world but nothing has dampened that yearning nothing no matter what i do no matter what i accomplish no matter how many fights that i've stood in victory no matter all the great things that this life has to offer in the way of uh, uh, a temporary joy there's one thing that has never stopped in my own heart and that's yearning to see and be where you're at forever i know i am hardly worthy <coughs> spoken like a ragamuffin with your permission, I would lay down my sword for the joy of seeing your country with my own eyes. And then I love the response. My country was made for noble hearts such as yours, no matter how small the bears be. This is Hebrews 11. People who fought and fought and fought, lost and lost and had victories, and had defeats, and had kids, and lost kids, sinned, and had moments of righteousness, all heading to a place they'd never been, but by faith believed. I don't know about you, but that's all we have to hang on to. I wish I could make Jesus physically show up, but let me tell you how that does happen. I see Him in you sometimes. One of the reasons Wednesdays remains one of my favorite services that we do here, if we call it a service, is because that's the one time you are you. It's not this platform thing. It's the opportunity we have to love one another and be friends to one another. You think we're going to do this in heaven? This is traditional church. You think we're going to do this? No, it's going to look more like Wednesday. Isn't that funny? We won't... There will be one altar in heaven. And that's before the Lamb. No more denomination. No more bickering. No more shooting and killing our wounded. No more fights amongst the brethren. No more any of those things. Right? And, 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 and this is our opportunity to try to get some of that under control now. Right? God perfecting us. 
teaching us kingdom principle, kingdom value, teaching us the walk of faith. Will you walk by faith? Will you continue to walk into things? I know you don't know where you're going. Heck, some of us might. Well, what are we going to do next year? I don't know. Got a pretty good thing. It's going to be walking by faith. Just pretty good guess. Got a pretty good guess. We're going to pray and seek the Lord. And whatever he says do, that's what we're going to do. Now, I've known many a pastor that have planned things out. Sometimes that's good and sometimes that's folly. And we're going to plan when it's time to plan. And we're going to pray. Like it, like, like it all depends on that too. So I mean, where are we headed? We're headed towards revival. We're headed towards returning. That's, that's what God has called us to do. What does that look like? I'm not exactly sure. I've never been there. That's one of the things, I read this thing and I'm like constantly reminded of my deficits. I'm constantly reminded of my lack of faith or my lack of knowledge about, I can act so confident. I can act so uh, courageous about, well, we'll just conquer anything that gets in the way and we'll just take on this and we're going to do this and I can, I can give you confidence. But if we get down to the truth, if you really want to know, I don't have a clue. I pray every morning. I listen to Jesus the best I can. And I step out one foot after another into this grand adventure of faith we call life. Just like you. Just like you. I will say this. The one thing that has helped me have confidence in things that I have not seen is my relationship with Jesus Christ and my commitment to make time for Him every single day. I, I will say it and continue to say it until I see it return to me. If you will get up every morning and give Christ some time in your life, the walk of faith can be an incredible journey. Will you feel at times a loss here or a separateness or an indifference here? Yes, you will. But it will be replaced and replenished by the fountain of grace that God wants to bestow upon you. Will you stand with me this morning? Sorry to get so emotional. You know, I get to spend some time with uh, Grandma Womack usually once every other week or once a week. And, and when I pray with her, it's amazing to me. Uh, and it's not just her, it's anybody that relatively has been around the Lord a long time. How instantly, they, when they begin to pray, it's like they are instantly praying in the Spirit. That's just, that's, that's what, that's just really a seasoned person who has salted themselves in the Spirit. Uh, that that's I don't mean to say salted like that, but like salted in the sense of like like a like we say about veterans, you know, they've been there, done that. They've been there, done that so long that they just step right into it. And I and I think about when I pray I pray for her. And uh, and she'll talk about things of glory, and she'll talk about things that she hopes she sees and wishes she sees. And, and I think about things that I think we'll see and hope to see and. Uh, I get asked a lot. I, I've had students ask me, says, you know, am I scared of dying? Like, no, but I'm not going to go easy either. You know, I, I, I told the Lord, I said, man, we're going to wrestle like Jacob. 
when you come to get me, prepare to fight because we will battle. Man, if I'm going to be taken down, it better be by the one who can beat me. And uh, I heard somebody say, well, that's kind of scary. But uh, uh, won't it be a blessing? I figured worst case scenario, I come out of it wounded. But then again, everything I know about Jesus, everybody walks away walking different. When you meet God, everybody walks away walking different. Everybody has a limp after Jesus Christ. Maybe not physically, but you do spiritually. You will never be the same. There will create a longing right here for something that you cannot fill with anything else. It's a far off country, a green pasture is what David called it, a place where my enemies sit before my table. My cup overflows in front of them. Still waters, right? A place where my sword will not be needed any longer. I'll take off the armor and I'll rest. No more struggle. No more fight. No more um, uh, depression. No more uh, indifference. No more jealousy. No more pride. No more caring about what somebody else thinks. We get to truly be ourselves. Man, how God meant us to be. I long for that. This morning, if you need rest in that, this morning, I want to pray for you. Like I said, it's just been heavy on me all day, uh, heavy on me all week, uh, Joy will tell you. I get to talking about this subject and it gets hard for me. It's, it's something that I think about a lot. The day will come when we will meet Christ face to face. And the struggles and worries of this world will be so far away. You will not worry anymore about what happens here because you will know the magnificent strength and power of Jesus. You will see that His hands have everything under control. And I have never seen heaven, but my faith beckons me towards it. And I pray this morning that yours does too. And if you're struggling there or you just need prayer this morning there, I'm going to ask you to, to just to come to the front here. And I'll give you a time. And we'll pray. Father, right now, I just ask God that you would just begin to help us, Lord. Lord, that this heaviness is not a burden, God, because your yoke is easy. Father, we lean on you in these moments when we don't understand. We, we can't see what lies ahead of us, God, but you see it. You see what lies ahead. You see what's ahead, God. We, by faith, are following you, the great shepherd, God, who will take care of us, who you have said through your own mouth that you will lose none, God, that who, anything in your hand cannot be plucked from your hand. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with that assurance this morning. Father, maybe there's, there's a few of them here that are, that are struggling as to believe, God, as to, uh, 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 in, in your security, God, in, you, in the powerful strength of your hands, God. If that's you this morning, you can come and we'll pray. If you're struggling this morning, come and we'll pray. Let us believe. Let us, 
walk in faith and stand alongside you. It's right now, God, then. Father, we stand together as one family, God. One church, one family, God. And we pray that, that Lord, you would, you would just continue to uh, weave us into a tight-knit family. Lord, we know there will be struggles. We know there will be battles, God. But strengthen us, God, for the walk and for the journey. Lord, we might be nomads and we might be foreigners and strangers but we are not a lost people, God. You are our God and we follow you. We have no king but King Jesus. Father, we love you this morning, God. Lord, I would pray that as they go out this week, God, that you would begin to manifest a time that would just all of a sudden uh, come to their hearts and, 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 and awaken their minds, God, uh, uh, to set aside to be with you, God. That as they begin to spend some intimate time with you, Father, that you would begin to do things in public to reveal those things, Lord. Father, I know you've called some to ministries, some to great works, God. Father, may your hand move in their life to accomplishment of such things, God. To those who are struggling with a fog and a haze as to what lies ahead, may Jesus Christ clear it and make straight the way. I speak to you this morning, whoever that is. I believe that's a word from God. Bring clarity. Bring clarity, God. In Jesus' name. Everyone says amen.